0: Welcome to Rock Talks, a podcast designed to create community through conversation.
1: All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Rock Talks. This is Rock Talks episode number nine, and hopefully you've been able to enjoy the other eight episodes. Lately, uh, due to the coronavirus and COVID nineteen and quarantining, we've tried to put out an episode every two weeks, um, two to three weeks. So. Hopefully you can catch the other episodes um, that are on uh, iTunes and Spotify. You can find it takes a little bit of uh, energy to locate it, but uh, it is all there for you to enjoy. Today, we do not have a sponsor for today's video. Um, it is going to be uh, somewhat longer of a, of a, not video, but podcast. Uh, we have two guests with us today in studio and well known to all of our family at rock fellowship and i am sure that you will thoroughly enjoy today's time uh, spent listening to rock talks and today we have our two pastors pastor chris pastor jonathan and i know that i think you all think you know them but there is a possibility that there is some depth to them and maybe some life experiences that you have not heard that you don't know about. And so we thought we would kind of dig a little deeper into uh, their, their hearts and their lives and to see kind of where they came from uh, and where they're at right now. So uh, without further ado, welcome pastors to Rock Talks episode number nine. Hi. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for having us. All right. Excellent. <laughs> Pastor Jonathan with his customary two-word 2, uh, two word, uh, answers, right, or welcomes.
0: I need to come up with something like that, like a catchphrase.
1: Yeah, you do. Um, it was actually pretty awesome. I saw you wi- wearing the shirt the other day.
2: Oh, yeah. Who made that for you again? Uh, Paul and then Sophie got that for me for my birthday. And the, that is, wow, top top two one of the best birthday gifts I've ever gotten
1: very unique if, if for so those cool. of you who have not seen his t-shirt it um has kind of his customary greeting does it say hello hello It says hello hello yeah right on but the he front. has
0: another one that says cool, cool 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 yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. really cool hello, hello and cool cool, cool. <laughs> oh awesome uh I will say that that uh when I saw that I was like wow that is awesome great present well, um, you know what, we're going to jump right in. We don't have a whole lot of really uh, announcements, and because of the length of this podcast, uh, we thought that we would um, just jump right into our, our podcast and what we have on the agenda for today. So, you know, maybe uh, pastors, you can share um, just a little bit about how long you've been a pastor and maybe share how you got here. Um, Maybe a little bio and a little rundown play-by-play of what led you into the ministry and how you uh, ended up here at Rock Fellowship.
0: Um, It's kind of crazy when I think about it, Um, but I've been in ministry for 15 years. I started in 2005 um, as a youth pastor at the Glendale Korean Church. And for those of you guys who don't know, Ken was there, actually, um, at my first church. And he was one of the elders when I was this, like, crazy youth pastor who didn't know what he was doing. Um, but I was there for five years. I went to seminary and then went to uh, LA Central Church in uh, East LA for four years and then uh, came to rock in 2016 and so actually um, at the time we're recording this, this is like just about the four year mark for me at this church.
1: well wow. time has flown by
0: I know it does not feel like four years at all and that's I think that's a good thing
1: hmm. What's the longest duration of time you spent at one church? Five. Five. It was my
0: first church at Glendale.
1: Okay. And that was as the the youth pastor or the high school yeah. uh, minister.
0: Okay. How
2: about you, Pastor John? Uh, I've been a pastor just over one year. Okay. You know, yes. 1.5, we want to stretch it. Not, it's not even there yet. Uh, strong year, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good Strong, strong year. <laughs> year. Uh, so, you know, definitely still pretty green about this. Uh, just how I got here, I guess, uh, I'd have to go further. I started, uh, studying theology at Andrews. I was there for three and a half years. I did my summer internship at rock. Um, just after I finished my junior year of college, then went back to finish up my last semester and then received the call to come to rock. And I've started February of 2019. The first Sabbath of February in 2019 was technically my first Sabbath at rock. And I've been here since then. So yeah, much shorter <laughs> bio for me. Yeah.
0: And can I say, it's just been amazing to have you here. Yes. It's been awesome. Too kind. There's only one thing that I haven't really liked about you being here is I constantly, and you know, in our conversations, I feel super old talking to you. (laughs) Pastor Jonathan and I will, you know, in our kind of downtime, talk about, you know, our interests, we'll talk about entertainment and he never knows any of the movies I know because (laughs) they're too old and any of the actors and music. So that's okay. It's fine.
2: It makes me feel more cultured when I talk about this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, he has the lingo and the slang, you know, and he says things that I'm just like, "Mm, I guess that's what they're saying these days. (laughs) Yeah, it's good
0: to have someone around like that.
1: (laughs) Yes, definitely. Well, um, you know, as you went into the ministry or as you became a pastor, what I I guess what are are some of the things that really scared you? Because I think the church has heard kind of— Uh, For the most part, I think they've heard how or what convicted you to be a pastor. But what were the things that kind of held you back uh, from taking that step that really worried you or scared you uh, about
2: going into it? Um, For me, um, I think what the fears really didn't hit until like, you know, halfway through college. And then I remember someone asked me, like, well, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do once you graduate with a theology degree? And I was like, oh, that's easy. Like, I'm going to be a pastor. And he asked me, what if you don't get hired? And I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, well, let's say you graduate, right? And no church is hiring, right? And then so obviously, like, with your experience, you have to be a youth pastor. And, you know, let's say no church is hiring a youth pastor. And I was like, huh. And he's like, what are you going to do? Like, you got loans. How are you going to pay them off? And I was like. And like, I remember the first time I heard that and like, I really sat, I was like, my heart sank. I was like, oh my God, I started sweating. I was like, I don't know. I was wow. like, what what do I do? And I was like, I'll, I'll go to seminary, I guess. And he's like, you're just gonna double down on your gamble? And I was like, oh, I, I guess <laughs> so. Wow. And I was just like, I remember I was so like, you know, I came here just like, for me, the answer was like, oh, I'll just trust God. And he's like, yeah, that's a, that's a fine answer, I guess. But like, you know. What if God doesn't answer your prayer the way you think he will? And I was just like, oh, okay, let's talk about something else. So I think really in in college, the biggest fear was like, what if if I got it all wrong? Like, what if God didn't actually call me into ministry? What if like all of that was just like me thinking about it myself? And I, you know, I went to Andrews, took out loans. And, you know, I told God, you know, I told everyone and convinced myself I was going to do this. And the whole time God was like, no, no, this is not my plan for you. And then I think my fear became a little exacerbated. My junior year of college, um, there's this day called Ministry Ministry Opportunity Day. So that's where um, most of the conferences in America will send a representative to Andrews. Um, they'll do it for all the colleges. But for Andrews, they'll do it um, in the seminary building. And then they'll just interview all people that are going to graduate within that year. And then uh, for Andrews, it's a little bit unique because we have the seminary. So then it'll be mostly seminarians. And I think that year, it was just me and three other undergraduate candidates. So we went, and then you just do, you know, you dress up in your suit, and then you do a bunch of interviews. You sign up for interviews, and then I think I did eight interviews that day, and just a long day of just sitting in with, you know, conference officials and them asking you pretty much the same questions, like, why do you want to? And I I feel like I I think I, like, there were a couple times where people were just like, even if you don't think you're going to go there, just interview anyways, just for, like, it'll help your interview skills. And, like, I interviewed for, like, like, I don't know some really far out like conference in Canada and stuff. And it's just like, just to do it. And then I remember finishing and there were a couple conferences where I was like, I feel pretty good. Like that was a really great interview. I feel like the reactions were amazing. And then I didn't get a single call back. Whoa. And I was like really like eight interviews and no one called me back. And I was like, Ooh, that was rough. And I think that was like really kind of doubled down on like this fear of like, what if, what if this is not my calling? Mm. Like what if I graduate from here and like, you know, it's like, you know, doing pre-med bio pre-med and then deciding you don't want to be a doctor Mm -hmm. Then it's like, what do you do? Like am I gonna be a biologist? Am I gonna be like a theologian? Like, I don't know So I think that was probably one of the biggest fears I had um, Before my call to you know, actually come to a church It was still like back in my mind. Like what if what if this doesn't
0: pan out? Wow. So can I ask a question to yeah. him? So when you got the call to come here or maybe the internship, um, like what was that like for you to actually get the call kind of a thing?
2: I distinctly remember. I remember like where I was sitting in the library and like exactly what desk I was in. I remember getting that that text from you like, hey, like, you know, we're starting this internship program. And I was like, whoa, God is – because that was just not too long after that, that ministry opportunity day. And wow. I was like – feeling like not great obviously and i was like wow god is, god is good god is good thank you jesus yeah
0: i, I wanted to ask that because wow. you know it was a uh, it's the first time our church has ever done anything like that and yeah. so that was kind of a big step for us and to kind of see god moving on the other side mm. you know it's really cool and um you know people need to understand that i didn't know you like we didn't yeah. really know each other before mm-hmm. i've seen him around but never really had a conversation but um It's really something I think we can say confidently that God has led in the process and that you're here for a reason and you're here because God wants you to be here, man. Absolutely.
2: Like when people talk about Providence, like that is like the event that comes to mind. Like this internship literally came out of nowhere. Like just one small conversation at MPAC, hey, if we did an internship program, would you be interested? And I was like, of course. And then he just, all right, you're going to Portland this summer. And I was like, what the? That's amazing.
0: Um, For me, I think, what scared me the most was disappointing my dad mm-hmm. and, I, well, my parents, um, because what I was planning to do before going to ministry was kind of the Korean-American Seventh-day Adventist dream. I was planning to do medicine, go to medical school, do all that stuff, and um, I decided not to and I just switched to theology, and um, I've talked about my parents before. and. Um, My dad, especially, and his views on faith and church and his, like, he's not really into it. And so I was really scared that I was going to disappoint my dad and the disapproval, you know. Um, But um, I'll share a little bit later because in the next question, it kind of, I can talk about how things resolved. um, Because it was like my dad was the guy who was involved in kind of what we're going to talk about next. But that was probably... The worst thing like I didn't really worry about finding a job or money because I don't know I was just like a kid I was I was like 19 when I decided to do it and I just like okay let's just do it let's just be a pastor that sounds awesome like I love church and I love people so let's go and so I didn't really um, I wasn't smart enough to realize that there are other things to worry about so I just kind of went with it but that was a thing on the back of my mind like oh what about my dad is this a going to disapprove? Is he going to be really disappointed in me? You know, back
1: when you were going um, through college and, you know, as theology, what was uh, – how many how many people were, like, on that same track with you, like, you know, through – if you if you remember throughout America, North America?
0: Um, it was strange because the – so I was born in 1983, and then I knew, like, a handful of which sounds like small, but that's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's like a number of people who were born 1983 that were like in ministry or going to go into ministry. Um, while I was in PUC, our Korean theology population blew up to about like eight. Which eight. is Yeah,
1: which is quite a bit. <laughs> and that's just at one school, that's yeah. just at PUC. Um,
0: now, unfortunately, that those, it didn't pan out for all of them. Um, among those, one was planning to go into medicine regardless, but mm-hmm. they wanted to study theology. And then among them, maybe two other than me actually is is in ministry right now um but before me there was like not very many people like you you see kind of these waves in korean adventist ministry Mm -hmm. and like there's a chunk of people at one time and there'll be a gap of like nobody or like one and so before me there was really no one and then um we started and then it kind of like grew a little bit
2: how about during during your time Pastor Jonathan. Um at Andrews there were I think four theology majors my grade that graduated with me of those four um, myself Nera James three are oh I guess there were five five total and then three are serving at Korean American churches now
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sounds like then, like what you're saying, Pastor Chris, is that thing, the numbers kind of go up and down and, and just ebb and flow with time.
0: Yeah. However, unfortunately, I think it's trending down. I don't know. Pastor Jonathan might know better because he's uh, just came out of college more recently. But I, the sense I get and who we're meeting at our pastor's meetings, it seems like it's, it's going down from what it has been.
2: Yeah, I mean there aren't I don't I can't recall any like really big wave of like within the past five years or so of like a bunch of people deciding to study theology and then graduating to go on to serve at a Korean church. There's you know, maybe one or two every other year or so. Maybe one
0: right now I can only think of maybe two people that right are now or, in school. yeah for studying theology, planning to go into ministry. Yeah,
2: I think two. I've heard rumors of of a third,
0: yeah. So but, that's yeah. kind of.
1: I mean, are there positions to be filled? Is there is there a demand uh, and not a supply? Uh, or
0: that's a good question. Um, I do think the the demand is is lower than it has been, um, because a lot of churches now cannot afford to have two pastors or EM pastors. They mm-hmm. can have one, and most of them are looking for uh, kind of a EM senior pastor, you know, who's been established and been in ministry for a while, not not like fresh out of college to, to lead out an EM group, you know. So um, there's only a handful of churches that can actually do that.
1: Hmm. I guess back in the day, like back in like m- my time, like the EM pastors were, all, I don't think there were any full-time EM pastors. I mean, it was all like part-time and people just kind of like scraping by. and um, And so it's, yeah, much different financial kind of like uh, you know, situation at uh, these days. so yeah, that's uh that's a that's a whole nother uh, podcast to talk about the future of uh, of the ministry. We can we might be able to go into some of that uh, today, but you know along this journey that you had um going into ministry and and studying, were there were there influential people that either, I guess discouraged you or encouraged you?
0: along the way yeah so as i was mentioning um it was really my dad and he was both (laughs) the major discourager and also major encourager of me into ministry um and so when i first told him his his answer to me when i told him dad i want to transfer so i was at uc san diego at the time I want to transfer to a private school, which is going to cost more money than a public school. And I want to study something that's going to make me less money than I was going to study. And it's something that you don't even really believe in. Like that's, that's essentially what I was asking. And this is what I'm going to devote my entire life to. Right. His response to that was, Let's talk later. (laughs) And, um, you know, we talked later and he really was like, are you sure? And he wasn't really mean about it, but clearly he didn't want me to do it. And he wanted me to do dentistry. Mm -hmm. Um, That was what he really wanted me to do. And um, he even brought in like another elder from our church. And I was like, do you guys even know each other? (laughs) And he brought him in (laughs) to talk to me and to kind of ask. I think he asked him to try to discourage me. And, you know, there's lots of different ways to help people and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay, okay." And even through. So he agreed to put me take me to Pusey. Right. He agreed to to like have me go there. And his hopes, which I found much later, found out was that I would change my mind and then do dentistry. And he's like, oh, you'll be at PUC, at least you'll be there and then you can go the Loma Linda route. But that never happened. And senior year, or the summer before my senior year, he was like really pressing me to change. And this was like, I'm almost done with theology. And so I think he got really nervous, like, (laughs) oh, he's actually gonna go through with this. Um, And so he was like um, really pressuring me to rethink it. And so, you know, to be honest, I was like, I, I got to respect my dad and think about it. So I began to think and pray. And at that time, I was invited to preach at the Glendale Church. And this was for a joint service for Korean and English side. And he found out that I was going to preach one Saturday. And so he said to me, I'm going to come and I'm going to watch and see if you can do it. Whoa. Those are his exact God. words. Pressure. I'm going to see if you can do this. Wow. Um, and uh, I was like really, really nervous and, you know, ended up preaching and, and did my thing. And the response from my dad was he was like, Chris, I'm speechless. Dang. I didn't know you could do that. Like, where did you learn how to do that? Wow. I was like, wow, I went to school, dad. <laughs> what do you think <laughs> I've been doing for the last three years? Um, and then we talked and then he was just like so surprised and because um, he, he was like working so hard when I was a kid that he never was able to come to any of my, you know, things at school and see anything like that. And he was very busy. Um, and so when he saw that, he was like, that's amazing. Like, I, I didn't know you could speak like that. I, I'm just so speechless. And then he said, you know what? Forget about dentistry. You should be a pastor. Really? Wow. And that just like blew my mind.
1: That's crazy.
0: Um, and for me, like as I look back on that, I'm still pretty emotional even to think about. It. It's like over 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, but to me, that was like that confirmation. Because hmm. I, I, I want the approval of my parents. Like I want my parents to be proud of me, and to, I was kind of accepting. Like I'm just not gonna get that. But for God to give that and that that grace to me was like, it was His stamp to me. Like you are called. And wow. Hmm. I'm gonna make the way for you.
1: How about your mom? Was she always very supportive? My mom, uh,
0: so when I told her I wanted to do ministry, she was like, okay, like very calm about it. Mm -hmm. And then later, like many years later, she told me like, hey, you know that night you told me you wanted to be a pastor? Uh, I couldn't sleep that night because I was so happy and so excited that you're planning. And she said, I never told you this, but I've always wanted you to be a pastor. No. Wow. And I didn't want to tell you and influence you because I wanted God to lead you. And I was like, oh my goodness. I think I cried. That's crazy. Uh, but so she was really, really excited, really supportive and and still is. She watches our live streams Friday night and she, she watches our Sabbath live streams. <laughs> she listens to the podcasts. Oh man. Wow.
1: That's great. Your brother, was he on board.
0: My brother was pretty on board. He was like, that's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think he really was really worried about it, but yeah, yeah. Um, but he was okay, you know. And, and actually he supported when I was in uh college and I was in my like student pastor gig and you know doing part-time pastor intern in Pleasanton Church. My brother was in Berkeley and he w- he came out and he attended church, I think, you know, partly to support me. Dang. And so that was cool. That's good. How about
1: you,
2: Pastor Jonathan? Um in a lot of ways my my person is the f- flip of pastor chris's this is my mom who is um kind of both encouraging and discouraging mm-hmm. so before uh, similarly to pastor chris story in high school and really since like i was really little my mom was like you know there are a lot of options when it comes to career and it can be very tricky so we've taken the liberty to decide for you you will be a doctor <laughs> and i was like from very early on i was like that's a hard no yeah like i i don't know if it was partly like just like me like rebelling like I would have if you didn't tell me, but now that you told me, I'm not gonna be a doctor. But like, you know, once I hit high school and stuff, I was like, wow, I don't, I can't do medical school. There's no way. And I was like, very, I kind of like made it pretty clear to my mom, like I'm, I'm not gonna be a doctor. And then she also made it very clear to me, you're gonna be a doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's a lot of back and forth. And you know, because she had made it so clear, uh, when I felt the call, and when I felt God telling me to. Uh, study theology and go into ministry, I was like, that was the biggest roadblock for me. I was like, I get that you're telling me that, God, but what are you going to do about my mom? Like, this is like, that for me, that was the biggest, like, this is why I can't, because of my mom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, among other things, but that was for sure the biggest thing. And I remember telling her, like, when I decided to tell her, I was that was, like, one of the most nervous I've ever been. Like, I was, like, praying, like, forever. I remember I... (laughs) Uh, my friend reminded me of this like a couple years ago. He's like, "Hey, remember that one time, that one night you told me you're gonna tell your mom, and then remember you asked me if I could crash at your, if, I asked my friend if I could crash at his house, like later. Like, wow. hey, if, I'm gonna tell my mom if it doesn't work out, can I crash at your place tonight?" <laughs> 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 so I was just like, oh, so nervous because you know I felt like she made it very clear, and uh, I still remember when I told her we were at her favorite like Sundubu place. Just myself, my mom, and then my sister was there. And then I told her, hey, mom, I've been praying about it. And I was very careful the way I said it. I've been praying about it, and I feel like God is telling me I should study theology. Thoughts. <laughs> and then I remember she, it was, like, quiet for a couple of seconds, and she looked up, and she was just like, well, if that's what God wants, then you should go ahead and do that. And I was Whoa. like, oh, like, oh, wow. so emotional. Wow. And I was like, for me, that was the biggest roadblock to, like, God removing that roadblock for me was like, okay, God wants me to do this. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what carried me through like, you know, that most of high school until uh, most of college until, you know, that previous conversation we talked about. But similar to Pastor Chris, actually, uh, when I started telling, um, like when I was deciding whether or not to study theology, I kept it to myself. But once I told my mom, you know, word kind of got out like within my church. Mm -hmm. And then I remember I told one of my church youngs and he's like, I told him, Hey, yeah, I'm going to go to Andrew's study theology. And he busted out laughing. And I really was kind of offended. I was like, that's messed up. Like, yeah. why would you laugh? Uh-huh. And he's like, hey, remember when I used to tutor you? So he used to tutor me in math my freshman year of, of high school. And he said, during that time, I asked your mom, what do you want Jonathan to be when he grows up? And she was like, oh, I want him to be like a doctor. Like, it'd be like a, if he was like an amazing surgeon, that'd be great. But there's a small part of me that wants him to go into ministry. Wow. But I will never tell him that because I don't think that's something you should push on a kid. Wow. wow. And I was like, Wow, well, it's so similar to what <laughs> Pastor crazy. Chris just I didn't shared, know that. Wow. and I was like, "That was so amazing to me, just hearing like God was already kind of in the works throughout all of this." And you know, like like Pastor Chris, um, Chris's mom, like my mom will watch all of our live streams and Friday night, Saturday. He'll like you know when I upload his stuff for like on the youth like small group for Instagram, she'll watch all of those. <laughs> my uh, number one supporter, also my harshest critic. Yeah. she'll she'll tell me, "Hey." Yeah. <laughs> She'll tell me like it is. So it's nice to have that. But, yeah. Wow, that is I, awesome. I
0: think that's um, that's really important because, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if parents realize their influence. You yeah. Know, especially yeah. when your child is a teenager, you kind of feel like you have no influence anymore on their mm-hmm. lives and they're just doing their thing. Um, but, like we really care about yeah. what our parents think about us yeah. and we, we do want to approve, but, um, just kind of a message to parents, you know, like as mm. your children do think about their career path, like, uh, I would really encourage you to pray over your children and pray about yourself in response to their career decisions, mm. because you never know what God can do in that moment. Um, and so like, I think to just react is not probably the best way to approach it but to, to do it prayerfully and, and pray for them and pray for yourself in response to that.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I've always thought, okay, you know, we'll never be like our parents. Like, I don't want to be like my, my, my parent, you know, my mom or dad, or I think I've heard a lot of people say that in regards to the, their approach to their children about their future and occupation. But as I look out across the uh, Korean-American landscape, I think history is repeating itself, <laughs> right? Mm. I mean, in many in many ways. I mean, I think we it's disguised sometimes. Like, you know, we we pretend like we're not doing that, but in actuality, I can kind of see some undercurrents of the same mentality toward our kids. Um, but it's interesting. I, I yeah, I think uh, uh, deep soul searching and yeah. prayer. Um, you know, just regards to our, our children and their future. Those are amazing stories, man. Those are, like, amazing. I, I did not know um, that part of your journey. Um, you know, now that you are kind of deep in the ministry and um, have been serving for some time, you know, what has been maybe the most rewarding aspect of of the ministry of of serving what what do you feel like has really
2: been you know one or two of the
1: highlights for you
2: for me this is a really easy question just cuz it's recently kind of resurfaced in my life again but um easily the most rewarding part of especially just in youth ministry is seeing seeing youth excited about studying the word because like for me i think about when i was you know, in high school, and junior high, you know, I I would read the Bible on occasion, pray on occasion, but I was never like, I don't remember like ever being like, yes, let's read the Bible, let's break down creation. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness. But like the past few times we've done youth Bible study, I think it goes, there's two aspects to this. Like when I teach the Bible study and I see their eyes light up about, wow, I never noticed. There was a, the highlight, the one event that stands out is when we were still at Rivergate, we did our first um, youth Bible study. And then we all came together and we're breaking down um, the woman at the well, John chapter 4. And then I told them, hey, like when you, you realize like when she leaves after she hears all this from Jesus and then she leaves to tell her village, she leaves her like her watering jar there. She leaves it there and she goes. And they're like, oh, my goodness, that's great. Like the symbolism behind that. And it's like seeing them get like genuinely like react to like like new things found in the word, I was like, this is why I'm doing this, like see people. And then on the flip side, um, seeing youth lead out other youth in Bible study and then getting excited to lead out a Bible study. Like our youth leaders let out one um, just last week. They were telling me like, Pastor, the best part of this Bible study for me was like before when like my partner and I were, and I were going through the passage and thinking of questions together, like I was so excited. And like just hearing like a junior wow. in high school say that, I yeah. was like, were you were? And, like, it just made me, like, this is, like, God reminded me, like, this is why we do it. Like, to teach, to make myself more real to them, like, this is why you're doing this. And, like, I don't know, my heart felt full, so to speak. It was, like, such an amazing experience.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I You know, I distinctly remember um, this past weekend uh, watching my daughter, Sydney, and she was partnered with Caleb to lead out their small group. Mm -hmm. And um they were talking back and forth and they were just so i mean they were struggling over the the chapter right but i could just see the sincerity of them like going what does this mean what do you think it means what kind of question can we pull out from this section and i was you know they they worked on that for hours you know and just really trying to you know like lead their small group uh, in the future, and, and trying to plan for that Bible study, and they're spending all of this time and, and energy, and I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. I, I, I remember when, when you, know, you started this, the youth Bible studies, and how there's going to be, you know, broken up into groups. And I remember we were thinking back then, like, OK, how how can we find adults to lead <laughs> out each of these, you know, sections? Right. right? Yeah. And um, and I think it's just so powerful to have the students be the leaders. Mm. And um, yeah. I, wow. That's that's awesome.
0: That's fantastic, man. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. That's so cool. Um, I kind of have a similar thought. There's kind of like a personal side to it and then kind of like an organizational side to this question for me Um, personally, like that it's like when, when, when something clicks for someone, like it's visible, it's physical. You can see Hmm. when something is clicking about God or scripture or their lives and God is speaking to them in that moment, like that moment where you see that click is, is amazing. And, like, if you've never, ever been able to experience that, like, it is so beautiful to know that you played a part. And so mm-hmm. um, whenever that's, like, a personal conversation, a baptismal study, even in, even preaching, like, you can see it even though you're on stage and you see people. Like, when you see those moments, um, it, is, it is really, really, really fulfilling just to know that God used you in some way. Um, on a kind of an organizational um, side of things is— um, when I see like leaders rising up, mm. that is mm. that is a beautiful thing. When you see people becoming more committed and more bought into the vision and more excited about the ministry of the church and like being willing to volunteer and and take on things that you didn't even ask them to take on. Um, perfect example of this is the Rock Kids Care Team right now. Mm. Like that kind of, there was just a need and then the children's ministry were like, let's do it, right? Like that, that initiative, is like is so cool Mm -hmm. i love seeing that and and i love seeing the leadership like bought in to the vision and making decisions and moving forward and asking the right questions so that we can lead the organization the right way and to the right place and where god is leading us like that is such a cool experience for me as a leader and it's it's more like it's more recent that i've been able to see that and and see that happen in 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 our churches and so like just being a part of that um so rewarding so fulfilling like that's the thing that gets you going right like that's the thing that 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 we that we when we wake up in the morning like that's what we want to experience and see and like um, yeah, that's, that's so fantastic, and I love that. And I see it happening in our youth and just, like, different levels of our ministry. And So it's, so, um, it's been really good for me to be here and, and to experience those things.
1: Yeah, it just seems like there's this, this groundswell that's building, and um, it's really exciting to, to see uh, across the board. Um, on the flip side of that same uh, question, what do, what do you think has been the most difficult or the most challenging aspect of ministry for you?
0: Um, I would say, and and the word I'm going to use to answer this question is not exactly what people think of when I when 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 they think of this word, but for me, it's loneliness. Um, and and what I mean is not like I feel lonely in life, and I feel like uh, I don't have friends or anything like that. Um, It's because I'm not really that kind of a person. Like there's been very few times where I actually felt lonely. Mm -hmm. Um, I just like have fun with myself and I can do things (laughs) and I can be alone. And um, so it's not like that relational loneliness. It is uh, the feeling that I'm alone in this ministry. Mm -hmm. And it's the feeling of nobody cares except for me. Um, And I've had seasons of life where I felt that, and that is really, really hard for me to deal with. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of the opposite of what I just said, right? Like Mm -hmm. when everyone's all excited and moving towards, because it bought in the vision, but then when you feel like no one cares as much as me or no one cares at all, and I'm the only one that cares about this, like that's when I've experienced the most most extreme loneliness that I've ever experienced in my life. Hmm. And I felt that, Nobody else cares. Everyone else yeah. just apathetic. Everyone just like whatever, and I'm the only one doing this. That's been really, really challenging in the past for me.
1: Wow, how did um, how did God get you out of that, out of those situations? Or um,
0: yeah. Sometimes those situations, he he'll, he'll help me by um, by giving me new hope. Um, and so, like, either I'll learn something. And kind of like learn a new thing to try or like you know and so that's why I think it's important to always be learners because it's not just about learning new information it's like when you learn things either in books or podcasts or you know speakers like it's hope is what you get as you learn about you've been doing something for a long time and it's not working and then you can experience this so like God will bless me with you know new information or new strategies and uh, new perspectives that I think will, will give me hope um, or just like uh uh, just small instances where, like, no, maybe you're not. Maybe you're not alone, you know? Um, and then sometimes it's uh, he he moves you <laughs> and gives you a new opportunity somewhere. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I
1: I can imagine that that feeling, um, every pastor at some point in their life has probably
2: felt that yeah. or will feel that, right? Um, hmm. Pastor Jonathan, how about you? Um, mine's kind of the flip side of Pastor Chris's. Well, I would also say kind of loneliness. But I have been blessed enough and maybe just not been in ministry long enough to feel have felt that feeling of like, oh, no one else cares. If anything, I feel it wrong. like so many other people care like just as much, if not more than me. This is awesome. Like we can get stuff done. So I've, I've been lucky enough um, to have not felt that yet. But for me, it's the opposite of loneliness of like, like who can I talk to about stuff like this? about like you know stuff like in ministry where like at first i was really excited for like when we had that kind of cohort of like korean theology majors like oh this is great we're gonna go in together we'll be able to relate and like you know if i have problems we can talk to you but then a lot of my friends that i was close with ended up being like oh, i'm not doing ministry anymore and so that was like really hard for me mm. and i was like oh man but like you would have been so great we would have been like you know it's been so nice to have like a friend in ministry to talk to but i think just the fact that like i feel a lot of my friends that i still keep in touch with our friends that I went to high school with um, in public school. And I just feel like, you know, some of the stuff, sometimes some stuff will come up in like my spiritual life or just church stuff. And I'm like, I feel like I can't talk to them about it. Like they wouldn't like, not only do they not go to church, they just like, this is like, it would be weird to spring this upon them. And so I guess the fact that like, I don't know, like spiritual friends, kind of spiritual ministry friends. And I've been lucky enough to have, you know, someone like Pastor Chris where I can talk to and stuff. So that's been really nice. But just like who can relate with what I'm going through? That's like also my age. That's like all doing this with me, kind of that struggle.
1: Hmm. Is there, um, do you have somebody else besides Pastor Chris that you, that your age that you kind of bounce ideas off of or you share or you, I don't know, you depend on? I mean, is there like, are there a couple of pastors uh, that you can do that with?
2: Uh, I think there are, I just don't, none that I'm like particularly close with that I keep in contact with. Um, but yeah, I'm sh- I'm sure there are. There are people roughly my age that I can do that with. I just haven't, I guess. Yeah, Because I, you know, I mean, I think,
1: yeah, as you're saying that, I just think of like, you know, there must be a number of those young, right. m- young ministers or pastors that are in a very small local church that are struggling maybe with the same kind of struggles that you that you're mentioning right now. And
0: um, yeah, and that's why it was kind of difficult because, um, you know, we have a yearly meeting Mm -hmm. where all the pastors come together, Mm -hmm. but it got canceled this year because of the coronavirus. And so I know both of us were both pretty bummed that we couldn't go. And Mm. because that's like a really healing time for all of us um, to just like talk and really be with people who who understand this.
1: um, Wow. You know, uh, you know, on that same uh, thought of challenges and difficulties, do you find that you've uh, discovered within yourself an insecurity or maybe an insecurity toward uh, about yourself in, in, in regards to ministry or, uh, or life that you're like, oh, I did not know that I had this insecurity. You know, for example, like, you know, uh, for me as a physician uh, in, the, in the hospital, I find one of my insecurities sometimes is that I don't know everything. Right. I don't know the things that I should know sometimes like, and so, um, you know, a lot of times I look at other, other doctors or other colleagues and I go, man, this guy is like, he knows all the recent research and he can spout it out. And he knows all these like, um, you know, accounting, I mean, a statistical like analysis approach toward medicine. And I, you know, that's not my forte. And so, um, I would say those types of insecurities, you know, I don't know if, uh, if you kind of relate to that same type of thing, but
2: what do you think? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. I think there are stuff, I didn't think one of the things, the biggest one was one that I didn't really think wasn't really apparent to me until I started, uh, maybe I guess my internship at Rock and, you know, first time actually doing pastoral ministry. I was like, the way, I guess, preaching but in specifically, just kind of like the way I talk, I never really noticed that I talked so quickly. I remember the first time, I think I remember the first time Pastor Chris um, uh, recorded uh, a sermon that I preached and said, hey, let's go over this together. And he played it. And I was like, do you speed this up? And he's like, no, this is just how you sound. And I was like, people sat through this. And I remember like I could not like, you know, I've, I've combined with like, I hate the sound of my voice versus, like, why do I sound like a chipmunk? Like, what is going on? <laughs> and, like, I had never really thought about, like, just the way I talk. And then I think, you know, it came with, you know, an insecurity with, like, preaching. And then just, like, I don't know. I was just always been, like, you know, that's one of the most, like, for most people, I think the first thing you think of, like, what does a pastor do? He preaches, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, there are a lot of other things that a pastor does. But I think what's on the forefront of more, most people's minds and what kind of, people used to determine a metric of like how much they like a pastor. It's like, what are their servants like? Mm -hmm. And for me, just to hear that was like a very humbling experience. Like, is this what I sound like? Mm -hmm. And like, is this where I'm starting? Because I don't know why, but in high school, I was like, oh, like public speaking, that's my thing. I'm like, I'm good at this. I can do this. I, you know, given the choice of like taking a paper test or a presentation any day. Mm -hmm. And then like, even in college, I was just like, oh, like, this is fine. I'm like, this is good. Like, I'm okay with where I am right now. And then that first time he, I heard that like, Pastor Chris played that on his laptop, I was like, holy moly, <laughs> this is rough. This sounds wild. Like, oh my goodness, we need to yeah, we'll fix this. This is not okay. But I think, yeah, preaching Dash, like just the way I talk was like very, an unexpected thing to be insecure about.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I still have it. hmm <laughs> and I'm saving it, (laughs) and I'm going to save it for a really long time, and you're going to forget about it, and then you're going to, years later, I'm going to be like, hey, let's listen to your very first sermon together, and let's just see, let's just see what it's like, Uh, I think it's going to be cool, and that's kind of the, being born in, being ministry, doing ministry in this age, you have that, like, I don't have my very first sermon, I don't, I don't know where it is, it was never recorded, but it's going to be cool, it's going to be fun to to listen to it in, like, five years, I'm not looking forward to that, wow. Um. Yeah. You know. Like, I am. A, if if we're really trying to get deep into our lives and who we are as people, like I'm a pretty insecure person, and mm-hmm. I've always been. Um, and I've shared kind of my testimony about um, like who I was when I was a kid and how you know everyone made fun of me and that really had low self esteem. So I'm like pretty insecure. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful because um, God has really worked with me and helped me through a lot of those insecurities and, um, has helped me to be more confident in life and stuff like that. But I do do still struggle, um, with, and, and I remember hearing this presentation, um, from this pastor's wife and she basically was saying like, all men are insecure, like all men are insecure, Mm. no matter what, they're Mm -hmm. all insecure. And, and, but the truth is like pastors that's like another level right mm. because you're um, even if you're in a small church tr- you're you're somewhat of a public figure and yeah. so you constantly like question yourself um, but I, I think um, one of the main things that I've discovered and this is like pretty recent is um, I've tied up my my identity with my ministry mm. and like who I am to me is often like, determined by the ministry i'm in Mm -hmm. so if my ministry and the church is doing well then i am valuable Mm. and i am someone to respect i am someone to care about and i'm someone who has something to say that matters because my church is doing well but Mm -hmm. if it wasn't and if i was struggling then my self-worth just drops Mm. you know and so like and i know that's not right and that's not what god wants for me or for anybody to like this idea that what you produce is determines your worth. Like that's mm-hmm. so unbiblical. But, you know, that's kind of sin in our lives. And so I've um, and I think that's been in the back of my mind for a long time and I just kind of like ignored it. But more recently, those thoughts have kind of emerged for, for a number of different reasons. Um, and so like it's like a really deep question of who am I and who am I apart from being a pastor? Um, and that's a question that I think none, none of us, or we have a really hard time asking ourselves, and it's hard to, like, differentiate. And I don't know if that's true for other professions. I don't know if that's, like, how it is for medical professionals or dentists and other, like, business people, like, who you are aside, apart from your job and your, your ministry. But um, it's, it's, it's pretty challenging to think about um, in being confident in God's love and God's value that he's given me um, that is completely separate from what I produce as a pastor and what kind of church I have. And like to know that I am fully loved and favored and blessed, even if I don't do anything. Like that's that's kind of difficult. It is. Um, but something I'm like wrestling with these days, actually, to be really comfortable in that truth.
1: You know, it's, I think with ministry and for pastors, uh, you're in a public arena that's under a microscope, uh, where people can freely judge, uh, your worth or your net value based on the numbers that attend your church or your tithe dollars or how well you preach or all of those things. And then they can make a, a judgment and say you're good or bad as mm-hmm. a pastor, you know, at, in any other profession, or I know that in medicine or maybe in dentistry, you know, they, 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 you, you you can't tell whether they're a good physician or not you know you just you just can't tell like just from the the general appearance right because you go to work and you put in your hours and you see your patients and you leave and mm-hmm. there's no way to judge uh, judge that um, I guess if you own your own practice or something maybe uh, based on production or how much you make or you know things like that but I think uh, in ministry it's like it's all out in the open, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone can see that, right? And so I can I can see how that would, you know, um, there could be a leaning toward that insecurity that you talk about.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think lots of pastors struggle with it, and you compare yourself, yeah, a mm-hmm. lot to other pastors, and which is really silly, yeah, um, because that that really makes no sense, and we all know that, but you compare their preaching ability, you compare their uh you know followers you compare their church size their budget their membership um, and and you fight it and you try really hard not to do that because you know it's not helpful but like there's just a part of us that that does you know like we do that Mm.
1: that's well we're not even talking about the insecurities of the pastor's family you know the pastor's Mm. wives or their children and you know, I remember just growing up as a as a pastor's kid, and and just the whole challenges surrounding surrounding that, and that that's an that's that is another podcast too in in itself.
0: Yeah, I mean that that being said though, um, being at our church has been really helpful for me, um, partly because I feel and I'm pretty sure this is true, and if I'm not, don't correct me, (laughs) because (laughs) what I'm going to say is I feel like people care about me, Mm -hmm. um, not because I'm the pastor of the church. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like people care about me, like, as a person. Yeah. Just, like, Mm -hmm. as another fellow human being and Mm -hmm. another Christian, like, I feel like people actually care about me, and even if I wasn't a pastor, like, we'd still hang out and be friends you know and we'd still talk and eat together and have a good time yeah and that's why it's like really been nice for me to be here because i don't get that feel and and it's just like i'm battling with it but the church helps a lot so thank you to everyone and kind of your 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 influence on my life like you guys matter a lot to me Mm. Hmm.
1: you know what you know what what keeps you up at night these days um past six months maybe what are the things that like constantly on your mind that that keeps you up you know and and it it may be it may be a a positive thing it may be a negative thing it may be something you know
2: i don't know um you know i don't know that i necessarily have anything that really keeps me up at night as far as like... <laughs> uh,
1: we know something. <laughs> you have something that keeps
2: you up at night. <laughs> well, depending, I guess, on how you interpret this question, I do stay up at night. I do stay up pretty okay. late most nights. Um, but nothing that as as far as like, that's like eating away at my conscious or anything like that. I mean, I guess like nights before I preach, it's just anxiety. But um, nothing like that's been a long-term kind of like cloud
0: hanging over my head, um, at least not in this past season. I would say, um, for a while, the building project stuff would—I don't know how much it—but if if anything was kind of like in that category of keeping me up at night, it was like the building project and the enormous amount of money that we're putting into it, and like, um, and I remember when we were deciding whether we should do it or not, and and like my thoughts were going like what if, like, I don't want to be the pastor that leads this church into financial ruin. <laughs> like, <laughs> what if I did that? What if this was the wrong choice? Um, and then, like, just all the logistics and all the things. And it's been good for me because I've really learned a lot in the process. Um, so next time, I'll do much better, guys. <laughs> 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 uh, but just handling all that stuff, it's its a lot of things to, to think about. Um, it was not It's not particularly, like, anxiety, you know, inducing, but just, like, lots of things to think about. Yeah. Um, I would say just the other question is, like, where is God taking us? And, like, what does Rock Fellowship look like in 10, 20 years? And um, a lot of times it's like I'm up because I'm, like, pumped and excited about the future for Uh this community because I think God has an amazing future for us. Mm. And so to, like, start thinking about it, like, my brain will just, like— go to all these different places and all these pictures of this amazing church in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh man, it's going to be like this. And I think about the small groups and I think about the worship and I think about like the outreach that we're going to be doing and like all these different ideas, like that kind of stuff. And it's like, it's the best kind, it's the best version of something that would, would keep me up.
1: Hmm. Um, what, uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, if you were to give yourself a grade, you know, A, A minus, you know, C, D, give yourself a grade of how well you have balanced your ministry and your personal life.
0: That's a good question. Um, I think I would give myself a B. I think I'd give myself a B. Okay. So, and, and this is the, this is a phrase that Pastor Jonathan uses a lot. Like it could be worse, it could be better. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good phrase, though. Pastor Jonathan has great phrases. Oh, but man. Um, yeah, like I think I've, I think Tracy um, feels pretty supported by me. Like I'm not one of those pastors who like church comes first, family comes second. You know, when I was in seminary, or not seminary theology studying theology in undergrad, they really heavily emphasize, like, your family is more important. They're your first ministry. If your family suffers, your ministry will suffer, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, make sure you pay attention to your family. Don't sacrifice them. So that's been always on my mind. And um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm able to be home often and to, to help with, with Miles and help take care of Tracy and things like that. So I don't know. I, I, feel, like, um, I feel like I'm feel like i doing okay. I'm doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it probably could be better.
1: Do you have you um, do you guys have some family rules in terms of like time that is church time or family time or are there some? Known?
0: No, not not any like spoken rules, just like stuff that I kind of have set forth for me, mm-hmm. um, although it's been kind of all messed up because of the coronavirus. It's just kind of changed all our schedules and everything like that. Um, but we have set some set some schedules, you know, like these these times are for me to do things for church and, um, I should try to be back by this time and I'll try to follow those rules. Um, mm-hmm. and then like, we're also trying to support Tracy too, for her to work on her art and do her work. And so like she has her time and there are certain days that I'm like really trying not to do church things mm-hmm. and I can just focus on the family and take care of miles so that Tracy can work on things and, and things like that.
1: Do you think that, um, well, let's ask Pastor Jonathan first and then we'll kind of double back, um.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, for me, it's a very different dynamic as far as, like, my person. For a simple answer, for a grade, I don't A minus, B plus. That being said, there's no one at home that I, like, <laughs> <laughs> come home to and, like, uh-huh. have to balance. Uh, I guess I'm just going off of, like, uh, keeping in touch with my parents, keeping in touch with um, my friends. And so,
0: Well, yeah. you know, I think a good question for Pastor Jonathan to ask, because it's kind of a different question, but is like, for self-care. Like, do you take care of yourself yeah um how good at you are providing for yourself in kind of the different areas of your life
2: oh uh i think i'm so far not not too shabby yeah I think right. i'm think doing all right
1: yeah good. do you think you feel like uh have you in your mind set some ground rules as far as this is my time this is my alone time I mean, do you have like a day off like during the week where you say okay on you know, on Sundays or Sunday from this time to this time, mm-hmm. this is this is my time or?
2: Mm, I don't know that I've had a whole. Uh, actually, with um, this uh, like the coronavirus church schedule with, you know, sermons being preached on by Wednesday, usually Thursdays are pretty free for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually even when before all this happened, when the church was as just usual, I don't know that I had a full day off, just a couple of half days. And then but usually in the evenings. Um, from, like, 10 till when I sleep, 9 till, like, when I sleep at, like, you know, like, 1 or 2, I'll just, like, you know, hang out with friends or, you know, do stuff on my own, so...
1: Okay. Yeah. Pastor Chris, do you think that you have gotten, like, when you first started into the ministry and then now, has that changed? Like, have you learned to be able to kind of, like, set guidelines and parameters, and, and are you better at, you know, I guess... To delineating your personal space and your church time and
0: i don't think so okay (laughs) i don't think so um like like i said when i started ministry i was like this kid who was just like super excited about everything like overly (laughs) excited and energetic and like my whole life was just church right and so like that was fine with me Mm -hmm. um so but now it's not not because i've learned to do that but because I have a family now, you know, it just, yeah. it's there. So I, I don't know if I can say like, I've intentionally thought like, okay, this is how I can balance my life better. It was just more like, this is my life now. I, I have to figure this out. I have to make sure that my family is cared for and, and mm-hmm. like I'm present enough. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I don't have a great plan. It's just like, just kind of go with what I think. And I, I mean, and I don't know if this is like, I think it's a good question to ask. And I ask tracy constantly like am i gone too much do you feel like i i mm-hmm. prioritize ministry over you and family mm-hmm. like i'll ask her every now and again yeah. and um even though it's a very direct question and it's something that we don't ask i think it's probably very helpful like do you as my wife do you feel that i have misplaced priorities and like i mean maybe that'd be a good question for all of us to ask our families yeah like mm. I know I feel, maybe I feel like I've been fine and I've been balancing well, but what do what is your experience? Like, do you feel like I've been balancing well, or do you feel like I haven't prioritized well? So mm-hmm. I would say maybe that's the one question that I've learned to ask in my life that mm-hmm. has helped me to do that. Uh, other than that, it's just kind of like, I just kind of go with it, you know?
1: Well, that's, uh, you know, that's admirable that you, you know, you're able to kind of have that, that insight to be able to ask those questions, you know? Um, you know to your family and to and to your wife that's but awesome but
0: actually i kind of learned that from tracy and mm-hmm. and what i mean by that is like i learned from her that we should not assume things and even though it like hurts our pride to ask certain question it's better to ask the question mm-hmm. than um to be upset because the person didn't do something that you never asked for yeah mm-hmm. you know and so like early on in the marriage tracy would say stuff to me and ask me things and she's like, you know, this kind of hurts my pride to ask this or say this, but can you da 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 da? Mm-hmm. Right, but it kind of set the tone for us. Like, it's better to ask.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's great. Um, well, here's the last question for this uh, this first section. Uh, if you had unlimited resources, right? I mean, you had unlimited resources—money, time, I guess you know, personnel or people resources. What kind of dreams do you have for the church? What kind of dreams? What does that picture of church look like for
2: you? I feel like Pastor Chris, I'm excited to hear Pastor Chris's thoughts just as he goes more big picture. For me, just as far as youth ministry goes, I think if we had unlimited resources and everyone had more time, um, and you know, Ken, you and I kind of talked about this earlier before this whole thing happened. I think to go on like consistent like youth mission trips, I think would be so awesome. And I feel like You know for rock one of the biggest constraints is like everyone's schedule is so up in the air like are you available when are you available and obviously any international mission trip is is very expensive but i feel like it'd be so nice if we could like consistent like every year we go to this place and we know these people they know who we are they know we're coming we can offer these services um i think doing an international consistent mission trip would be such a game changer because i think especially for like youth Uh, You know, most have never done anything like that. And just to go to a completely new culture a new place and, like, be uncomfortable, like really uncomfortable with where you are and be like, all right, you're here to serve. All right, let's serve these people. Like this for the next, you know, week, two weeks, you're not here for yourself. You're here for those people. Mm. And, like, if you're struggling, pray. Like, Mm -hmm. And then, like, we'll see how much you grow. I think it would be such a cool experience.
0: Let's do it.
1: I know. Next year, (laughs) coronavirus allows.
0: All right. (laughs) Mission trip. Two thousand twenty-one, maybe. All right. Um, How much time do I have for this question, Ken? (laughs) This could be a whole new another podcast. I know. We'll make it at podcast (laughs) ten. But um, I'll 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 keep it simple, Um, and and this is like and this is a question I ask myself a lot, Um, and uh, I love this question. I love to talk about stuff like this, Um, and what you can for you who, who's listening, you can know that I've given this a lot of thought. And I'm not just like saying stuff just to like be crazy and like just think crazy things. Um, this is things that I really thought that are uh, a big dream for our church. And I do think they're a reality. Um, but really what I, what I would love to see with unlimited resources, the dream I have for the church is really a network of Rock Fellowship churches all over the Portland area. Mm. Um, like I want to see a rock in Beaverton, you know, rock West. I want to see a rock central rock downtown. I want to see a rock in, in Washington in the South. I want to see a rock in Salem. Um, because I think the way we do church is a little bit different than what people have been experiencing. Um, and I think we may have a lot to offer and I think we are in the stages of forming our, like our model and basically to be able to plant churches all over this area and to, to really help change the city and really help reach um, this kind of like northern part of Oregon um, and, and just reach people for Jesus in this area and to have influence over, like influence in the life of the city where like we can be people in a, in a community, and an organization that like the city can go to when they need help. Uh, when they're struggling with something, when they need manpower, when they need uh, assistance, they can say, like, "Hey, Rock Fellowship is a great church. They have a lot of resources, and they're always willing to help the city of Portland. Let's go. Mm. Ta- let's call them. Mm. Let's talk to them." Like I love to have that kind of influence and that kind of um, reputation um, in this in this city. Uh, beyond that, like I want to be a church that can be can lead the way for other churches. Um, and and at this point my mind is thinking about other other korean churches we have a lot of other korean american Adventist churches in this country that are struggling and i i think rock can be a church that can inspire and help those churches and like provide them resources and i'm not talking uh, about money per se but but resources to help struggling churches grow because if if we all get better everyone's going to get better it's not just us. If, if we get better and they get better, then we'll get better. And the whole situation is going to be so much better. So, like, a church that leads the way and creates this, like, way to support smaller churches to, to grow in their ministries as well. Um, like, I would love to see that. And I see our influence, really, in, in the whole west coast of this country in the future. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, and, you know, wow. like, I am I'm, I'm appreciate uh, you asking this question, and I haven't really talked about it a lot to people. Mm-hmm. There's a handful of people I've talked to this about in our church, but I've largely kept it, like, kind of quiet, mm-hmm. um, partly because I'm not sure what people would think. Um, I'm not sure what, what people would feel about that model, and, and I didn't want people to, like, uh, shoot it down or anything already. But um, I have felt that God has put on my heart that, like, the the idea needs to be out there soon. I mean,
1: this sounds like what you're saying is a twofold um, dream, right, um, or a vision. One is local for the Portland area, and then the other one sounds a little more general for the Korean American churches. Yeah, right? yeah,
0: and that and that really is nationwide. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Depending on if if that church wants our help and wants our wants our resources and wants our um, training and, and whatnot, like, we can give it to them, you know. Mm.
1: In some ways, I think the, um, the whole summer internship bringing Pastor Jonathan in was kind of the first step toward that, right? Because I remember when you pitched that to the board, you, you know, I think one of the things that you said was <clears throat> by bringing him in, you could train a, uh, you know, a, a ministerial student, a theology oh. student. And whether he ends up coming to our church or not, he's able to experience and see uh, the runnings of a church and then kind of be mentored from you. Mm-hmm. And, and if he ended up going to another church, I think he would just benefit from this internship.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's really important, like your first church, it like sets the tone for mm-hmm. you. And so like, mm-hmm. um, I know I had a great church when I first started, and lots of pastors, they start at a rough place. And the the assumption they make is I must not be a very good pastor, or I must not actually be called to ministry because if I was, I wouldn't be having such a hard time. Hmm. So to be at a place where um, the church can instill confidence in you and support you, um, that sets the tone for the rest of your ministry. And then like, so I wanted that internship, you know, depend re- regardless of where the pastor Jonathan came here or not, to be able to set. A little bit of a tone for him like this is how a church runs this is what a good church is like this is what a healthy church is like and even if you don't come back wherever you go like you're gonna do a good job and go work on the church to to to, to grow it and change it and lead it to a a healthier place you Mm -hmm. know and um i want to continue to do that for for ministry students
1: no i think so i think that'd be that'd be great to continue that type of summer internship or whether it's in the summer or a whole year yeah that no i think that's a great idea um well, you know, I th- we're we're gonna, we have three other questions, but they were just kind of um, questions that were possible questions if time permits and time does not permit, um, because we're already over an hour so far. Really No way. Yeah. Um, so I think that probably we'll have to do another podcast down the down the road. I think it'd be a good idea to do uh, a podcast every six months or so with both of you just to kind of get the pulse of of where our pastors are at and um, i think it'd be awesome for the church to be able to hear that so but we'll go into our rapid fire questions um, as we as we always do and we generally have 10 rapid fire questions and you can answer these as as short or long as you would like Um, so question number one what is your favorite comfort food we'll start with pastor jonathan
2: Uh, For breakfast, kind of brunchy foods, I love country fried steak. Mm. It's kind of a weird thing, but I love without some gravy and some toast and eggs and hash browns, amazing. But, you know, definitely only on days where I don't have to do much because food coma is pretty bad. Mm. But I love, like, cream barbecue for, like, lunch and dinner kind of stuff. Okay. Cream barbecue, favorite comfort food.
0: Mm. Uh, For me, Mexican food, tacos Mm. and burritos.
2: Oh, nice. Do you have a
1: favorite? place in portland that you go to uh
0: yeah tienda santa cruz up in st john's is probably the best place that i've had um everywhere else not so great okay (laughs) but yeah you know my answer is i'm total like Angelino, right like l.a i grew up eating mexican food so that's my favorite oh great um food you
1: wish
2: you never had to eat again i had a really spicy uh duck the Yup that Puki. And like, I'm not a huge fan of me it, it's all right. But then to have that spicy, I, it ruined my day. Wow. I like couldn't think straight, I was sweating, like it's just in pain. That was probably one of the worst food experiences I've had. Yeah. For me, no
0: offense, but durian. Durian. Cannot stand mm. durian. Uh, so okay. get that out of my face. Yeah,
1: I think there are a lot of people that share your sentiment there. Uh, number three, a day at the beach or a day at the mountain?
0: Mountain for me. Mountain. Okay. Same mountain. Really? Yes. Wow. I hate sand.
1: Both li- I don't
0: like sand what? and I don't like salt water. That is weird. <laughs> Both LA boys and I, <laughs> I know. I'm
1: really surprised by that answer.
0: Yeah. I love the feeling of a serene mountain mm. lake in like a cabin. Okay. With my thick socks. Got it.
1: Mm. Got it. Well, how about this uh, winter or summer?
2: Winter.
0: I'm a winter guy. Yeah. What? Yeah. Really? It's too hot. It's too wow. hot. I oh. s- I'm sweat. My baseline is sweating. <laughs> <laughs> so when it hits summer, it's just like, I hate being hot.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. I'm shocked at those answers. Um,
2: well, what's your favorite playlist, song,
1: or artist on Spotify lately?
2: Oh, right now, uh, I'm just getting over this, but Elevation Worship dropped an album called Graves Into Gardens. This song called "Rattle" on there. Oh my, I've been listening to that nonstop for the past few weeks. Really, I have to. Listen so good. To it.
0: Uh, my my favorite song right now is "The Blessing." Mm-hmm. Um, Ed Ed's family did it once for one of our live streams, mm-hmm. but it's a uh, Carrie Jobe and her husband Cody Carnes um, with Elevation. Uh, amazing song.
1: That is amazing. Have you seen the one where the the people the different people in the united kingdom sing that Mm-mm. on youtube oh no. man that is just not sent me that it's look it up on youtube it's the uk okay the uk uh, edition of it and oh. there're a bunch of like praise people from a bunch of different churches that are all like uh, singing that together it i think it was the song is one like of a, the best the
0: sounds like a global phenomenon right now i think mm-hmm. so but uh, if you're also looking for things there's this thing called the Worshicken. <laughs> and um, someone took a rubber chicken and it like squeaks. And I don't know how they did it, but it sings the blessing and it is hilarious. It's hilarious. so funny wow. because
2: it's so good. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's really goodness. good. The harmonies really? in there. It's, it's really so professional
0: funny. and it's so funny. Wow. Um, so if you want to laugh, check out the blessing Worshicken. So it's like worship chicken. <laughs>
1: I'll have to have my kids watch that.
2: Um, well, what's the most uh, recent thing that you have uh, binge
1: watched?
0: Uh, I don't
2: really binge watch too often. I usually I'll keep up with it as it comes out live. So the one I'm watching now is a uh, hospital playlist, the Korean drama on Netflix. Oh. And yeah, contrary to what I just said earlier, I've never watched the drama and wanted to be a doctor so badly. They look <laughs> so cool in this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> really.
0: i'd like to hear some doctor's opinions on that drama
2: yeah
1: i've never seen it i might have to check out an uh, an episode
0: uh i just finished the mandalorian on disney plus the star wars show oh okay
1: Okay. yeah i haven't seen that one either but i have things to watch um so cup or cone for your ice cream oh cup all the way cup same cup really yeah cones get messy
0: Hmm.
1: that's, that's that is true all right, number eight. Uh, if you went head to head against each other, <laughs> oh, what's what's so funny? I
0: don't know. It's uh, a funny oh, this question.
1: Oh, question. oh yeah. Question. Okay, I see. Yeah, it is kind of. I I think I laughed out loud as I was like writing this question out. Uh, all right, if you went head to head against each other,
2: what thing would you be confident you could win in?
0: Arm wrestling. Oh uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> uh, definitely. I don't know. Maybe. Basketball is the only thing I can think of. Basketball, you know, I I actually thought about (laughs) that. I agree. Really? I'm
0: pretty sure he would beat me
2: in basketball. Yeah, but
0: I'm also pretty sure I would beat him in arm wrestling. I'm confident I would lose arm wrestling. I also think (laughs) I would beat you with more authority in arm wrestling than you would beat me with authority in basketball. So,
1: yeah. Oh, I can just see uh, we're going to have to uh, have a, a one-on-one competition here.
0: Actually, that would be pretty funny if, we, be really funny. Remember, oh, if we did a video of us arm wrestling one time and, and, then, playing play and oh playing <laughs> basketball. We should.
2: I don't know if I want to see that. We I don't should. know if I want my arm to fall off like that. Gosh. We'll have to live stream
1: that one. It'll be awesome. We <laughs> Maybe should really do that. It will be the, uh, the post-sermon uh, the little your live <laughs> section there. <laughs> it
0: could be cool. We just played to like three, and, uh, and you'll probably beat me really fast.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> all right, um, number nine. What is uh, a dream vacation? Hmm. Dream vacation.
2: I haven't traveled much, so the only place that I've been to that I want to re- redo with a group of friends is probably a Korea trip, okay. and like just go food crawl, eat all the good foods, and
0: all the hole in the wall spots, and then just yeah, just explore Korea with some friends. Okay. Uh, I'm not like a, I'm not a person who likes to do a lot on vacation. Like I, I don't want the feeling of I need a vacation after this vacation. Yeah. Mm. So my dream vacation is like, um, and I guess I'll I'll pick kind of a destination, but like maybe like Swiss Alps, like in the mountains. Okay. Uh, with it like super comfortable. And this again, the mountain thing, like yeah. with my warm socks in pajamas <laughs> in the mm. cabin and just like, and then eating really good food during <laughs> that. That's uh miles can or he doesn't have to be there it's, just, it's just either or i think In this oh situation. oh
1: my all right hopefully your wife is there too though uh, all right she definitely needs to be there. <laughs> okay all right all right they'd be too bold to step out on that ledge okay um all right last one here um what is one thing people would be surprised to
2: know about you oh this is hard only thing you think of um i have a scar underneath my left eye I got hit by a baseball bat when I was, uh, in like oh. third grade. Okay. Yeah. It was kind of crazy, no. but I just did read. Really, I just stood too close to the guy that was swinging and I got in the face. No, I see it. But yeah, yeah. I see it too. I'd I'll never, never un- yeah, I'll never unsee it now. <laughs> I know I'm gonna call
0: you Scarface <laughs> from now on. <laughs> Pastor Scarface. All right. Um, for me, um, when I was younger, one of my dreams, like secret dreams, I didn't really tell people about, but that I wanted to do like as a career is I wanted to be on Saturday, Saturday Night Live. What? Ooh. One of the cast characters on Saturday Night Live, you know, wow. I, I wanted to do that for a little while. Huh. And then my brother said, you're not funny enough. <laughs> and so that dream was crushed.
1: Uh, Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, your time. I know we went uh, an hour and 15 minutes today. This is the longest uh, longest podcast that we have uh, put out, but uh, definitely worth every minute of it. And for those of you that have spent this entire time with us, we truly thank you for um, uh, sharing your time with Rock Talks. We hope that uh, you stay safe and that um, you uh, really... Kind of hold, hold close those that are dear to you. And we will look forward to sharing our time with you on the next Rock Talks. All right, take care. Bye.